This is Pop Fizz, Episode 5, From Homecoming to Kimmy Schmidt, Part 2. And we are back! Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Amanda. And I got to bring a fiction thing this month. And I did bring a fiction thing. Uh, Netflix did an interactive episode of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I want to talk about it. But before Ooh. I do, a couple of things. One, uh, to talk about it, I'm going to talk about a lot of spoilers for Kimmy Schmidt in general and the episode in specific. Like, I'm going to be talking about certain things the episode does. So if you don't want spoilers, it's on Netflix. Go consume and then come back and come, come talk with us about it. Um, and then two is if you don't know what The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is, it's one of the best weirdest shows I've ever seen. Um, and I guess this is a good time to say, Amanda, have you seen the show? I haven't, actually. Um, my friend really likes it, and so occasionally she sends me memes and stuff, but I have not actually watched it. The ironic thing is that uh, we were talking about Beyonce and Lemonade last time, and Kimmy Schmidt did a whole thing where Titus Andromedon recreates Lemonade to break up with his boyfriend. <laughs> So we're talking about, I was like, the mind thought meld or whatever. Um, (laughs) The telepathy. (laughs) We're on the same, you know, the same mental link. Um, So The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is a TV show that is pretty much, it's Tina Fey's and Tina Fey is a genius. Uh, And it is, oh gosh, it's starring Ellie Kemper as this woman who was kidnapped as a child and locked in a bunker by John Hamm, because, you know, um, and with some other women. And he tells them that the world has ended and he has like this doomsday cult. And the story proper begins when somehow the police find them and rescue them. So, So, yeah. (laughs) Before you continue, can I just say that somebody sent me the opening to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt you know, the song or whatever. <laughs> yes. And um, where they get rescued from the bunker or whatever, and the guy's, like, auto-tuned his... Yes. Uh, and that was around the same time that people were auto-tuning, like, a lot of news reports and stuff. And mm-hmm. I really thought it was a real thing, and I was really <laughs> upset. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So... <laughs> This is my this is my number one contribution to a Kimmy Schmidt conversation. <laughs> um, Kimmy Schmidt, it's such a good show. It's a weird show, but that's because it's. I mean, already that premise is weird, and me telling you it's a comedy is probably like you know me telling you to put your potato chips into a beef stew. Like, no, but it could be good. It could be good. And the focus is not on what Kimmy has suffered through, although that's not something that they ignore. It's really about Kimmy just trying to be a normal person again. And it's her coping with her PTSD, which makes it such a great thing to watch if you have PTSD, because it does a great job of actually meaningfully engaging with a lot of the ways that people are affected by trauma in a way that doesn't break your spirit. Um, one of my very favorite episodes, and I bring it up a lot with people that I know is there's an episode where Kimmy is talking to a uh, military vet 
And the two of them are both deeply traumatized by what they've been through. And so they get really excited because here's someone who kind of understands them. And so they go off in the whole episode, the two of them are like, cheerfully sharing their trauma with each other. Like, does this bother you? Yes. Does this bother you? And there's this line where she goes, let's go watch a horror movie to see what normal people are afraid of. I, <laughs> I love that line so much. Like, um, it's such a good show. And the a lot of the joy of the show, first of all, Ellie is just, Ellie Kemper playing Kimmy Schmidt is a ridiculously positive happy person in spite of everything. Uh, but then the show has just an amazing supporting cast. Titus Burgess is a star. He is the funniest thing on the show. He is her roommate, best friend, failed Broadway actor, like the best character on the show. Carol Kane is their landlord who is hilarious. And then they have Jane Krasinski who is amazing playing this rich woman who hires Kimmy and then becomes her friend. And it's, it's a really, really good show. It, it's a weird show, um, but it's really, really funny and it's really, really good. The, the interactive episode takes place way out in the future from when the show ended, because I think there's only four seasons and they're all on Netflix. Um, the interactive episode, I remember when I saw the trailer for it, I was really confused because Daniel Radcliffe is in it. <laughs> and, and I was like, did I miss that? Was he on the show? And no, he, uh, I think he's a fan of the show and he just wanted to be involved. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but Daniel Radcliffe doesn't do things unless he wants to do them. So <laughs> he doesn't have to, which is, uh, I love Daniel Radcliffe. He's such a weird person. Um, but I love that about him that he like, he only picks weird stuff. He really likes. Um, he is playing this like, 12th in line to the throne of England royal who at some off-screen point in time met Kimmy and they fell in love and so the interactive episode is sort of about the fact that they're about to get married. How is it interactive? Um, do you remember the Black Mirror episode? Um, what is it called? Um, there's, there's a Black Mirror episode on Netflix where they let you kind of choose your own adventure. Oh really? So you get to make decisions. Um, this is, I've, oh, sorry. Yeah. I've pretty much only seen one Black Mirror episode, which I know is a huge gap, but JJ watched the whole thing and told me he didn't think I would like it. And so then <laughs> I was like, I'll go over here and watch anime instead. And, <laughs> but, you know, that's, no, I've, <laughs> um, that was only a good reference if you'd seen it for how it's interactive. Um, the episode is interactive in that periodically the show lets you make a choice about what the characters are going to do um, with your remote. You have a set period of time to do it. And the characters on screen will usually be doing something. But I noticed, because I replayed it a few times, that they have different jokes and different comments. Um, there's one moment where Jane Krasinski's character is trying to stall to come up with a lie. And she just sticks a like a straw and drinks really hard from it, like, mm. And that's when you get to decide what lie she's going to tell. Um, and then the plot changes what happens based on the choices you made. And sometimes the choices lead to automatic death. Um, and then you get immediately automatic kicked back. death? Yep. Wait. Yep. Sometimes they make very bad choices. Um, huh. So like, it's kind of like Russian Doll, but with 
like options for how you die. Yes. And there are a couple of ways to get to the end and some of them are better than others. And some of them seem really benign. Like you can choose what Kimmy's wedding dress is. Right. Um, but the, then the show follows like a bunch of different characters. The core plot is that Kimmy finds a, um, a book that ultimately leads her to discovering that she was not in the only bunker. The Reverend John Hamm, John Hamm's character that kidnapped her, he had another bunker full of other girls that no one ever found or knew about. Oh, no. Which I love how, like, the show is kind of, like, playfully, like, what's another way that we can be dramatic? What if there was another bunker? But it completely re- it changes how the whole show is because the entire time you're watching the show thinking this is over, you know, that the worst is over. And instead, you have to realize watching it that the entire time you're watching Kimmy do these things, there are another set of women that are trapped. And That's terrible. There's That's sad. I know. And I'm like, this is just a really fucked up twist. And that they might have starved to death. We don't really know because John Hamm's character is in police custody and then in jail and then prison for a lot of the main series. So... And that's something that they bring up, that they don't even know if these women are alive. So she's trying to find this other bunker. Um, And And also plan her wedding? And also plan her wedding to Daniel Radcliffe. No! Put the wedding off! (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Priority! I planned a wedding. I planned a wedding. It is terrible. Don't (laughs) try to do multiple things where you're trying to plan your wedding, man. Just like, yeah pick the one that's more important yeah like, like, other like postpone the wedding <laughs> um so the the story is cute a lot of the choices are really funny um and a lot of the jokes are written that they intend you to watch them multiple times so you'll like some of the jokes get setups in one timeline but pay off in another choice oh that's it's, awesome it's a really good episode and I highly recommend people try it. Uh, the reason that I particularly wanted to bring it up and Kimmy Schmidt is a really, 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 really funny show. Um, but there's this point at the end where Kimmy is really close to finding the bunker. The Reverend has broken out of prison uh, and is trying to beat her to the bunker and he manages to trip and fall and even though there is no gore, you're supposed to understand that he's like twisted his ankle or broken his like He can't really move anymore. And in an earlier section, we saw that Kimmy in her travels picked up a gun and put it in her bag. So, you know, she has a gun. And I remember when I was playing it and I didn't know exactly where it was going to go. I was like, well, Kimmy has a gun now. <laughs> She's going to use it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know exactly how. Back off moment. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, She, so basically that gets to this point where she's desperate to find where the bunker is. She can't really tell where it is in the middle of the the woods. The Reverend is being a jerk. And I want to make it really clear that I stopped watching the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in its last season because they did a string of jokes with him that were intended to be making fun of misogynists, but were so close to things I've heard that like it, it bothered me too yeah. much. I, it wasn't fun for me to watch it. And uh, I think John Hamm's great. I think the show is great, but like they, they can hit really, really close to home sometimes with the things that he says and does. And 
So he's goading Kimmy and he makes this comment about the fact that nobody knows where he is right now. And she's like, well, guess what? (laughs) So then you get options. And usually the show gives you two options. Sometimes they give you three. Um, But this is the only time where they give you four options. And three of the four options are all different ways to kill him. Only one is to spare him. And how many times did you kill him? Like all the three different ways? I did. Yeah. Um, so, so when I was playing it, I was picking a lot of what I thought were the stupider answers because I was just really curious to see what the show would do. Um, and so I was like, well, I know the show will want me to not kill him, but I want to. And also I was mad at him because he was being an asshole and because, you know, you, you get wrapped up in it. So you're like, yeah, Kimmy. And part of me didn't think that the show would do it. I kind of thought that like I could pick shoot him with the gun and the show still wouldn't do it because Kimmy isn't that character. She wouldn't be that violent. She shot him. And I remember thinking, Kimmy's a murderer. (laughs) And I was like, oh no, she can oh no, Kimmy. You made her that way. I made her a murderer. I felt this sudden and instant regret, like arrest development. I've made a terrible mistake. Um, And the cut to a joke ending with Daniel Radcliffe, and then they make me choose again. So this time I'm like, all right. And I choose another one of the ways that she kills him because I'm just curious. I want to see. And it has a completely separate joke ending with Daniel Radcliffe before it kicks me back to the choice menu. The last option I picked involved it just said kick him so i picked it she kicks the reverend to death and that is watching her shoot him was already kind of disturbing but you know with um anything involving physical force not a weapon but like it's a lot slower and it's more brutal and and the show doesn't it's not as brutal as it would really look if someone kicked someone like that in real life they would probably like have a broken nose and maybe some like internal bruising, but they'd be okay. And then this one, it kills him. But watching Kimmy still use that much physical violence on him was sickening. It was honestly kind of sickening. And then I get another punchline with Daniel Radcliffe, which tells me that the showrunners wanted me to kill him in every single way. And they've rewarded me for killing him in every single way with a separate ending. Uh, can I tell you a thing? Yes, please do. I've been talking a long time. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, so if you have not yet, you should read In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Ooh. I hope I said her name right. Uh, So she um, is a writer who was in an abusive relationship, and this book is a kind of memoir slash... uh, meditation I Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to explain it's it's a memoir she is writing about her abusive relationship with a girlfriend that she had while she was in her master's program for literature I believe she went to got her master's in literature Mm -hmm. um so she there's a whole section in the middle that is a choose your own adventure oh And it starts with, and I'll just give like the context here. It starts with her waking up in bed with her abuser and um, 
realizing that it's going to be a bad day and all the different ways that she could react to that first interaction with her abuser Mm -hmm. and and like playing those out and it's got kind of notes to the reader about each one it's so they did a really wonderful um kind of almost like a stage play of it reading of it um on npr i'm not sure which program it was but um it's phenomenally written book and it very much reminds me of this because unlike in in this case where um they want you to try all the different ways to like kill the abuser um in in this case she tries all the different ways to kind of like ameliorate the abuse and none of them work yeah it's the op it's the opposite approach of what way can I use to avoid this becoming violent? Not necessarily her becoming violent, but the abuser becoming violent. Right. Um, it's fascinating. There's another like choose your own adventure, that exact format here, because it is the thing is when you finally choose the only option you can to advance to the ending, which is to not kill him. Right. Mm-hmm. And Kimmy gives her little holier than thou speech about how she won't be like him. She's not going to be a killer, blah, 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 blah. Um, this this is what I always thought was what the show was going to do. But it meant a little bit more because the show had acted out these fantasies where she does get to kill him. And at first I'm mad at him and I'm thinking he's not real. You know, John Hamm is fine. <laughs> no one's actually going to die because of this choice and I'm pissed and I want to see this ending. So you know, you click the violent option, but then you start to feel bad about it. And the one where she kicks him was really not okay. It was really uncomfortable to watch. Like I said, Kimmy get that physically violent about it. And so then to cut to Kimmy being like, well, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to be like you. It has a stronger emotional resonance with you as a viewer because you're thinking she did make the right call because you've seen these other options play out and you're like I don't like any of these where she's violent I don't like them I prefer the one where she doesn't you know resort to violence I wonder if that was the intention I'm honestly a little bit too um skeptical to think that they intended for me to have this strong emotional response in this way but and I think that mostly because each ending has a little bit with Daniel Radcliffe that is a joke. So it feels... Well, I think that's interesting that that's a choice. I mean, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I almost wonder if... I, I would have... I guess because it's a comedy, they kind of had to do it that way. But it would almost be interesting to see, like, the consequences. Because he says nobody knows where he is so does she get away with it like you know and he doesn't answer that question it sounds like but i'd be curious i don't know like what are the consequences does it like haunt her forever does she like you know i don't know it's interesting they kind of show the consequences in that she never ends well i'd have to rewatch it there are they show you like a little epilogue of what happened I know in one of them she goes insane and like just lives in the woods forever. Um, 
I think in one she kills herself on accident too because she has a bazooka. Um, oh, how does she get the bazooka? <laughs> um, not explained. Uh, so I don't remember if there's a version where she fully gets away with it and like has to deal with the consequences um, in a way that we see beyond like a one-two punchline. Like, oh, she went insane and ran off to live in the woods. You know, like the real... Because she probably... I guess the way they set it up, she probably could because it wasn't her gun and nobody knew where he was, right? Uh, well, it has to be like a choice, right? Like uh, for it to have the emotional resonance at the end, it has to be, that almost has to be that choice of like, could I get away with this scot-free? Like, but I, I choose not to do it anyway. Exactly, like, exactly. Like, it, it means a lot more when the social consequences aren't there. And it's really just about, could you live with knowing you did this? That's actually, so um, I think about kind of the opposite is also being like a potentially really interesting uh, character development to explore. And I feel like I've seen it in some shows or books, but I can't think of a specific example right now, but essentially like knowing that you're going to face com consequences for the negative action, but choosing to take somebody out anyway, just either for your own vengeance or to like perpetuate the, to keep them from hurting other people. I feel like I've definitely seen this plot element before. It's, it's not just the inverse. Yeah. I was going to say it's not, there's a lot of things about the show that aren't incredibly new. You know, it's not the first time you've seen it. Really, the main way that Kimmy Schmidt is different is the fact that it focuses so much on a victim of a lot of types of abuse. But definitely, uh, rape is definitely something that she has gone through. The show does make it clear that that's happened. Not in, like, it doesn't dwell on it or go into detail. It doesn't need to. Uh, but it does make it clear that... because. Um, if you think about Jessica Jones, which amazing right. Netflix show, the original comics, uh, she was not a rape victim in the original comics, uh, at least the way that we understand rape right now. Uh, she did get mind controlled and a lot of bad stuff happened, but the comic probably, my guess is because of ratings, couldn't actually have her get raped. So it went around... It, went, it walked all the way around to go, oh, but no no rape happened. I was actually playing Dragon Quest Eleven, and they had a similar point where a female character is brainwashed and kidnapped, and I, I'm sitting here being like, this is a family game. What? And the bad guy's like, ha, 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 I will not rape you. And I'm like, they, if you have to say it. <laughs> then, yeah, like, you've you've kind of misstepped somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you. that doesn't make me feel better about this. You, you just taking this emotionally upsetting thing and, and making it all happen and then just hand waving at me, but it's fine. Um, th to even be able to talk about these kinds of women and men and to have these experiences be something anyone can talk about is relatively novel. The fact that the Jessica Jones TV show on Netflix, so worth watching, does actually come the out. Season saying, one is yeah. worth watching. I actually haven't the seen caveat. season two. I didn't want season it to ruin two fire to me. But whatever. I feel like let's have a moment of silence for all of the Netflix Marvel shows that had to die because Disney Plus happened. <laughs> like, except Iron Fist. 
Well, yeah. No, I'm actually kind of glad that they're not making any more Jessica Jones because honestly, I didn't like season two at all. I like, I felt like they undid all of the emotional development of the characters that had happened by the end of season one in order to perpetuate conflicts that I, I didn't really think needed to happen. And it, and it like put Jessica Jones in a place where like, she wasn't focusing on healing from her trauma. She was just accruing more trauma. And I just, I have issues with that. I feel like stories about trauma, it, it feels like the people who write the stories sometimes struggle to see anything beyond like the abuser instantly creating another traumatic situation for the main character instead of literally just how normal life changes so much for somebody who's survived something like that and those challenges and that's where jessica jones i i love kilgrave as a character david tennant killed killed it um but Mm -hmm. A lot of what made Jessica Jones the first season so good were the smaller ways that you could tell her relationships with everybody else had been negatively impacted by what she'd gone through. And uh, to me, spoilers for Jessica Jones season one, the fact that (laughs) season one opens with her pushing a man out the window of her office and then the whole season, that window is still broken open and the door is like can't even be locked. It's supposed to be representative of how vulnerable she is, but also this like her refusing to really do anything about it, and you know, right. sort of wallowing in this instead. Well, of- she can't. She doesn't have the the ability to like move beyond it. Yeah, and the last shot of the first season is her choosing to one let somebody fix the door because people offer to the whole season. She's like, no is choosing to let someone fix the door, but it's actually watching her friends start to close up the window so that it's, you know, because they don't have glass to put in it yet, but basically so that it's not just a completely open window. And so the end image that I have of Jessica Jones is her letting people into her space and letting them help her heal. Yeah, exactly. And they undo all of that in season two. Damn it. (laughs) Because yeah. it's still a process. She would still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> right. And they, they could have focused on that work and how she like started to learn to trust herself and her powers and everything else. But instead they like pitted her against her friends. So like the not because she chose to be pitted against them, but because the friends all became like ridiculous. <laughs> and um and then had like this whole plot with apparently her mom which was a whole other thing apparently being alive and which spoilers but um that was really i mean like crazy like seriously messed up in my personal opinion and at the end of season two jessica jones has nothing like she it's like every small gain she made despite like all of the trauma that she had accrued is gone. That's this. I wonder who wrote the show I, and like who planned. I, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of like tried to strike it from my brain. I don't blame you. Cause it's not <laughs> <laughs> trauma is, I think something, this is where like 
Kimmy Schmidt is really good because there's a there's an episode where she's uh, Jane Krasinski's character sort of realizes that her marriage is falling apart, right? And she doesn't know how to cope with it. And so she and Kimmy kind of spend the episode figuring out how to cope with how she's feeling. And she's like asking Kimmy for help. And Kimmy's like, you know how I deal with things when they're bad? She goes, I just jump up and down and shout, I'm not really here. Not really here. Oh my God. And and so they just stand around saying that for a while. They're like, well, this doesn't actually work. And so the episode is about them learning like that that coping mechanism isn't healthy, but it's still funny. And a lot of the way that the show works is that it lets these moments happen, but then it also lets like Titus. So the, the actor's name is Titus Burgess, or I might be getting Bur- Burgess pronouncing his last name wrong. His character's named Titus Andromedon. Titus tries out for the Spider-Man musical one episode because everyone's so afraid of being in the Spider-Man musical because they keep injuring their <laughs> actors. He's really confident he'll have a chance. And the episode's gold because there's so many good Spider-Man jokes. Like, I think in the audition, he's standing there and they're like, what would happen if another Spider-Man fell on you? So they make him stand in place while an actor jumps on him from like a higher place, like a ladder. So the, the episode has all of these like really silly things along with these more serious moments. Um, and it's more about in some ways, not just Kimmy handling and coping with her trauma, but how normal people can, who aren't living through something as horrific as what Kimmy lived through dealing with it. Like there's an episode where uh, Lisa Kudrow comes on and she is Kimmy's mother. And the whole episode is about the resentment and pain that Kimmy feels because she's like, did my mom not care about me enough to look for me? Yeah. Which and the way they solve that episode is that they get on a roller coaster and they scream at each other on the roller coaster. They just like scream fight. And by the time they get off of it, they're okay because they're able to say some really awful things to each other. And that's good. Like the, the episode shows that even though it's scary to say these things to your family members, when you feel betrayed by them, even though you can know like intellectually, it's not her mom's fault. She was kidnapped and her mom couldn't find her. So being mad at her doesn't make, logical sense it makes emotional sense and letting her have the freedom to say it and her mother letting her say it and not hating her for it but listening to her they do manage to have a healthy relationship and so i like that the show is interested in looking at these not just the dark sexy image that everyone thinks of when they think about like oh she's a dangerous woman she's seen some shit but like the reality of i want to have a good relationship with my family I want to date a man and not hit him with the telephone when he tries to kiss me. Um, Which, right? That's the dream. We want to date a partner that we don't hit with the telephone or maybe we don't want to date anyone. But if we do want to date, we don't want to hit them with the telephone. Exactly. We, (laughs) it's dealing with them feeling like you've lost some of the best parts of your life to some awful person. And now you are trying to be normal, but know that you've missed this time that was normal for other people. There's all of these sides to trauma that are interesting. And I don't know that Kimmy Schmidt is perfect, but I appreciate that it seems like it's really focused on coming from a like the, the victim is not supposed to be some strong badass. The victim is just a person trying to be a person. And the show is very focused on 
honestly meeting her where she's at and trying to help her be healthy. And I think a lot of times when we talk about trauma, we're glorifying the abuse and the trauma. We're showing a lot of it, for example. And I think like, for example, that Kimmy Schmidt doesn't really show anything is important because then we're not enjoying the object, like the, the violence and the victimhood of someone, which we have, a, especially with female bodies, we have a big cultural problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, the focus is not on glorifying or fantasizing about the violence that she experienced. It's about her and about her reactions to it. And I, I kind of hope that more stories like this get told because it may not be perfect, but it made me feel really happy to have this character to empathize with. And it, it was good to, even if I don't think they did a perfect job, have them acknowledge feelings that you usually think you're the only one who has.